Welcome to Teach Em Up, the podcast about teaching and learning. I'm Nick Williams. Today, we are chatting with Kathy Warren, the assistant principal at San Marin High School. Kathy, how are you? Hello out there there in the world. It's Kathy Warren. I'm doing great. (laughs) It's a Wednesday. That was such a natural introduction for you. (laughs) Good job. Um, Okay, so... Today we're talking about implementing uh, school-wide structures and procedures and then trying to maintain those school-wide structures and procedures. And based on your facial expression, that is a passion of yours. It is, for sure. I love uh, essentially program planning, and that's kind of what that is in the in the sense of the, um, I, the industry terminology. And um, I have found that I truly love it. I love all of the nitty-gritty detail planning, and then I love to watch it unfold, and I love the challenge of sol- problem-solving around different things to get it to be better. And then I absolutely positively love to see it like bloom and blossom. And then pretty much after that, I'm ready to move on to the next new thing after I get it going. That sustainability piece, that's always my Achilles heel. So we got to figure that out. All right. Um, so before we get too deep into the weeds on this, uh, you are not from California. Tell I am us, not. Tell us about your educational background. How did you get into teaching? How did you get to being an assistant principal here at San Marin High? <laughs> it's a lurid tale. Um, I am from Georgia originally, and uh, I got an English degree. Um, If you're poor, don't get an English degree. You have to go back to school. Um, And then I uh, met my husband and moved across the United States, and I came to California, very different from Georgia, but nevertheless, it's a great spot, and um, was a mom for many, many years. And then whenever my last, my youngest child was in kindergarten, I went back to uh, school, got my teaching credential, and um, that's what I've been doing ever since. Um, I taught English uh, for it in Petaluma for about um, eight years, I think, seven years. And then I took a little hiatus and I did some consulting in education. And then I got my master's. And now I, after teaching, then I went back into a district and worked here. That was here. I worked here about three years. And then this year, which is my fourth year, um, I applied and had the opportunity to be the assistant principal, which I'm excited about. Awesome. We are also excited. Um, okay, so I wanted to talk through a few of the like school-wide procedures, structures, what do you call it, programs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, in industry, it's considered, it's uh, like program director. So if you were looking for this on, an, you know, either in nonprofit or um, in industry, it would be the program directing. Um, it would be um, project management if you were in something like that. So it's all about creating a structure uh, creating the uh, foundation for that structure, the walls, if you will, of that structure, the lanes, and then populating that structure with all the right people, and mm-hmm. then um, moving everybody forward, problem solving with it, and then maintaining it, figuring out a way to actually maintain the structure and, and then have it embedded into the culture of whatever you're working with. So here we're a school, but having it embedded into what whatever culture you're doing, uh, working with. So, yeah. Nice. Um, so I guess step one is, as an assistant principal, 
you are clearly focused on the programs side, mm -hmm. uh, the building of school structures, but there are so many ways to be an assistant principal, uh, <laughs> and most of them are not the uh, Danny McBride version uh, <laughs> of, of that job. Um, but I think most people from their like life experience, their experience with an assistant principal was probably not a super positive one. Oh my goodness. Uh, it was generally the like discipline person or the person who you hopefully didn't get to know that well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although and, I did have one that I that is now going on to become a, she was absolutely brilliant and um, she went on to become a brilliant principal and a brilliant district office person. So there are some of those out there, so. Okay, no, 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 I'm not, not I, I, was, I was not indicating that all <laughs> assistant principals are bad. I am here talking to you and I recognize uh, that there are some very, very good assistant principals. Uh, I'm just indicating that there's probably some people who've had negative experiences there. Um, and that like the work of an assistant principal can look really different even within the same school. Different people take on different responsibilities. Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> people in all walks gravitate towards what their strengths are, generally speaking. I mean, if you're alive, you have a heartbeat, you've got some ambition, you're going to gravitate toward where your, your strengths are. Uh -huh. um, and I think that that is especially important when you're building a team of managers, which is essentially what uh, uh, assistant principals and principals are. We're managers. Mm -hmm. um, and... We, we wear a lot of different hats, and so I think that when we all get together in the same room, it's incredibly important for all of us to be able to uh, say, hey, this is, this is the list I'm good at, mm -hmm. this is the list I suck at, mm. and this is the list that I may want to give it a try because I'm interested in it, but I don't really have the skills for it, but I'm willing to put in the time and the energy to learn how to do that. Um, and I think that once you can make that list up and really have those conversations, there's nothing really you can't do mm -hmm. necessarily as a team. I love high-performing teams. It's I've done a lot of research on high-performing teams. I've built some high-performing teams, and so it's very interesting to me, that piece. I think that's a, that's a key piece <laughs> and one thing that we generally struggle with uh, in education because teachers try to be everything mm -hmm. for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, like it's, we, do, we don't have the structures in place mm -hmm. to say, look, I have really good direct instruction for this little piece, so I'm going to do my 15 minutes, and then I'm going to hand them off to Virginia, mm -hmm. and she's really good with the lab piece, mm -hmm. and so she's going to run that piece, and then this person is great at this. And like we, you, know, you, you may have a science teacher and an English teacher and a math teacher, mm -hmm. but I got to do all the science. Uh, the direct instruction piece, the lab piece, the project-based piece, the mm -hmm. building component, mm -hmm. the uh, building collaboration and critical thinking and communication skills, uh, and all the like paperwork logistics, working with other science teachers and teachers of different disciplines in the same grade level. Like there's so many components there. Right. It's cool when you have the opportunity to actually play to strengths. Yeah. And recognize that you don't have to have strengths everywhere. Right. One of the things that I've really been impressed with is uh, when our principal acknowledges his weaknesses. Yes. Uh, and clearly just doesn't do those parts. Yes. He hands that off to you. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is a, a feelings thing. This is an emotions thing. Like, Kathy, Mike, you guys are on. Yeah, yeah. And and we do the same with him. There's some things that we, and we've kind of picked and ch choose, chosen um, what we, we get back and forth with each other. And I think right now we're in a pretty good spot in terms of that, just in, in terms of our little team. Yeah. Um, I do want to have, I do have one comment I want to make about the ideas of teachers and not really having that opportunity. The sad part about 
education is that oftentimes <clears throat> it doesn't have the follow through. And so we have uh, a high performing team concept in the world of teaching, classroom teaching. Um, but we, but I don't think it was sold as a high performing team concept. And I don't think it's been um, developed as a high performing team t- concept, but um, PLCs are high, should be high performing teams. That's how that mm. should work. PLCs, um, professional learning communities. Yes, that that's how that should work. And and one of the things that we could do if we were innovative and we thought outside the box um, in education is that, especially at the high school level, I don't know necessarily so much about um, elementary and middle, but at the high school level, we have the ability to if we if we really you know sat down for a year and really thought about it to put together a series of high-performing teams um, in our disciplines. And I think we could do that. And sometimes it bubbles up organically, like, you know, two teachers co-teaching a class. Uh Um, But I think more of that idea of three people, that's your high-performing team, and three people could do three separate things. And and you could still work it within the confines of a contract and with the confines of a a master schedule. But Uh you could have that. Um, It's just that oftentimes we get so caught up in the minutia of what we have to get done uh-huh. that, you know, we um, oftentimes don't have the energy and the wherewithal to like sit down and do that. I would love to, as a leader of a school, be able to, again, here I go, be able to create some level of a program or a structure or a process in the school site that allows for that, where people look at themselves and see not as professional development, but as a high-performing team where you're together for specific reasons and you're doing specific tasks and you have a specific responsibility because you're the best at that. Right. Um, right off the top of my head, and since I'm in the English world, it would be writing. Like it, it, it's, it's. I think it's crazy for me that you have teachers who truly, truly are drawn to the art and craft of writing. Uh-huh. They could care less about teaching you how to analyze a novel. Why can't mm. that be done that way? Um, those are very different pieces. You could run it that way, but we're so oftentimes fearful of, um, oh, or if we're not fearful, we. Uh, it's hard for us, I think, to think outside the box of. Um, how can we play to each other's best strengths? And let's not forget that we're all isolated in a classroom for many hours a day, too. So um, we, we're just getting to, uh, many school districts are just getting to the point of actually implementing common preps so that we can actually see each other every day. Yeah. I mean, that was such a huge idea 20 years ago. Oh, no, you got to have the common prep. you got to have the common prep. And the, the really progressive school districts got on board early, but, you know, the rest of us out there in the middle of average land, it's hard because that means you have to know how to schedule it. It means you have to really get people's heads around it. People get worried about things. It's harder to put p- kids in classes and work with stuff. And, you know, it's just hard. Um, and we're dealing with people's kids. Let's not forget that right. we're not dealing with widgets. So when we make these choices, we have to understand the kind of learning curve we have and is it going to negatively impact the very people we're trying to serve. Right. And that's so. the other tough part, right? Is that the relationship component is so important. And, yes, in terms of keeping want to turn it students, into yes. like, well, go to the writing guy and he'll right. teach you how to write. Now right. come over to the novels lady <laughs> and she'll evaluate that novel with you and you end up going through the whole process and you don't really know anybody. Yeah, I mean, and, unless these... you well, you could do it that way or you could also I think somewhere in my land, my dreamland of how to actually create, you know, the best school ever would be 
somehow you could work it so that you know those kids. Like it's a cohort and they right. hang with you and you Which know them all. is effectively what we're doing in STEM Marin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and one of the cool things that I've had the chance to do is uh, a little bit of co-teaching. So mm-hmm. um, I'll talk with Virginia. Uh, she's my co-teacher and we teach the same 45 to 60 kids in one classroom with the both of us together. Uh, and she is like an organizational wizard, mm-hmm. and I do not have that skill set because mm-hmm. uh, I am much more like big picture and like yeah, let's go do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when it comes down to like details and organization, kids know that Virginia is the right person. Like if they want to look at somebody's notes, look at Virginia's notes; mm-hmm. they're way better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they want like a big picture kind of idea, uh, where we're then headed, they, right? Then they can come <laughs> talk to me. Um, but that allows us to both play off each other's strengths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there is something like it's my one of my most fun classes. Uh, it is my most fun class mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. just because you get to play mm-hmm. with a different way. Because mm-hmm. teaching can be such a social and yet isolated mm-hmm. uh, profession. Absolutely. You're in a room with 30-odd teenagers or 5-year-old to 18-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you may not see another adult mm-hmm. all day long unless you make it a priority. Mm-hmm. I know, it's, it is true. The, the, so <clears throat> some of the things that um, I find that we can put in place that'll help that a little bit more, um, the freshman teams uh-huh. that, where we get people together to talk about like other, their kids and... Um, okay, so can we just jump into that? Yeah. Cool, so um, there are like three major structures that I have perceived that you've kind of implemented in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would see that as like the seven agreements for freshman mm-hmm. teachers. Mm-hmm. The freshman uh, part, yeah. The freshman team piece. Mm-hmm. The second one is the introduction of our learning lounge. Mm-hmm. Uh, rebranding the library and making it useful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or useful in a different way. Yeah. Um, and then the addition of our tutorial piece mm-hmm. uh, within our schedule. Mm-hmm. Am and I missing a big one? Yeah. The So the, the other piece is that I've done a lot with um, our... Um, uh, Spanish-speaking EL community in terms of bringing the parents into the system. Sweet. Yeah. So like, so, and that's been an entire um, program slash structure all in all of itself, too. Nice. So I've done a lot with that. Making our uh, English learner population more integrated into yes. our school population. Yeah. And, and their families. And welcome yeah. and their families and ensuring that we are serving all of those needs. Yes. Cool. Okay, yes. so let's go one by one mm-hmm. and start with, like, the freshman team. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I have kind of seen it is, A, I think you have a habit of postering everything. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you're really <laughs> good at, like, selling ideas mm-hmm. and then publicizing those ideas on some form of a poster. Yes, I like posters. Yeah. In um, my first career of 12 or 15 years, I was a um, graphic designer, so that's where ah, that comes from. <laughs> okay, so that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I like posters. Yeah, I like posters too. Well done, posters. Sure. Let me just say. Yeah. That. Um, yeah. You don't realize like how important a good poster is until you get a really bad mailer sent to yep, you. Yep. And then. And you're like, like, oh my god, what is this? You have eight different fonts on this one piece of paper. Like, no, so no. Um, okay, so the freshman team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the poster that you put out to all the freshman teachers mm-hmm. is like the seven agreements, mm-hmm. and the seven agreements are basically teaching strategies and logistical components Mm -hmm. that help freshmen succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there's obviously a lot more to it than just those seven agreements. Yes. But those seven agreements are things like 
we will ensure that all freshmen use their planner on a daily basis. Right. Or a planner. Yeah. A planner on a daily basis. Uh, freshmen will write using a clear formatting, mm -hmm. and we will use the term clear. Mm -hmm. It stands for claim, lead-in, evidence, analysis, and repeat the evidence and analysis yep. parts. Yep, yep. Um, so all the freshman teachers will use that terminology when we're talking about writing a paper or writing a paragraph. Lab report. We're using a lab report. We're using the same kind of terms. Mm -hmm. um, what, what else is in there? Well, we do a lot of, um, which we haven't started it up this year because we've been... I think I've been inundated, but nevertheless, um, we're getting there. Uh, data. So we have, um, last year, you'll remember, we did the um, the one doc where we had all the information on it for the freshmen that we needed to pass back and forth to each uh -huh. other. Um, we met prior to the staff meetings where we could sit and talk. Uh, I think that's important. The one thing I I really liked about and still like about this freshman team idea um, is that it's a little loosey-goosey, meaning that we come together when we feel like we need to come together. Uh -huh. I think last year there was a grand need to come together immediately. I think this year, um, I think this year the, the need has been a little less urgent on the sense of the teachers. Uh, but I do, it's definitely going to happen. It's a matter of just me right now. And this is that sustainability piece that I kind of have to work out because I tend to take on a lot of the responsibility. So as a planner, as right. a person directing a program or creating a program, you have to learn how to... Um, you have to learn how to ensure that the work gets done even when you're not there to do it. So uh -huh. Uh, that and that and so that's what we'll continue to do. We'll do a lot of and with our WASC coming upcoming WASC, I think it's going to be very helpful to have that kind of thing in place. Mm -hmm. um, so you described it as loosey goosey. Mm -hmm. I might describe it more as responsive to the needs of students. There you go, and able to adapt <laughs> to those needs. Flexible. There you go. Uh, but why did you structure this specifically around freshmen? Freshmen. Uh, according to the data. I was, last year we were having the toughest time keeping our freshmen on track um, and our sophomores on track. Mm -hmm. And we, once I looked at the statistics and once I looked at just the general information, um, it was very clear that although we had Link Crew, which is fantastic, uh -huh. it was our only um, uh, structured focus on a group of kids who really, really need to have um, some renewed sort of energy and um, intense scrutiny right off the bat because according to the numbers and the statistics um, that are out there, uh, lack of, of really um, sustained attendance, um, lack of ability to pass even one class really impacts the success out of high school for for us for a freshman. Right, and that's not just us. No, that's that across is the nationwide, board. Nationwide, yeah. statewide, yeah. district wide. Yeah. It's across the board. Like every school has these same mm -hmm. uh, data issues. Mm -hmm. I guess not data issues; they're human issues. Yeah. Um, but in development, ninth, developmental yeah. issues in ninth grade. If a kid gets a D or an F yes. in one of their classes, yeah. any class it's like the number one sign that they will not be on track to graduate from high school. They will not be eligible to go to college. Right. Um, it's that DNF freshman year that's the big kind of like funnel point. Yeah, and while there are always exceptions, while there are always exceptions to any rule, totally, this is very across the board, um, a general rule of thumb in, in, any, in any school district. So. And like freshman year is a transition year. Yeah. If you can get students in as freshmen, 
and have them feel comfortable in the school and understand what they have to do at high school level work, uh, they will generally be successful through 10th, 11th, 12th grade. Yeah, have um, them create a friend group, get engaged, join clubs, things like that. And that was all part of the freshman team idea too, um, which I want to put more emphasis on because we, we sort of allow our student body to take some of that, but I think we need to just be a little more deliberate in uh-huh. making sure that that actually does happen. Nice. So that's so, the follow-through piece. So it feels like the structure there right. is uh, – having a data analysis system mm-hmm. looking at which specific mm-hmm. freshmen are struggling mm-hmm. in which specific classes, mm-hmm. uh, having a group of freshman teachers who then get together and figure out, okay, what are we going to do mm-hmm. to help Johnny or Jane mm-hmm. or Jose mm-hmm. or Juan mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then having a set of agreements around how we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. So having some things in place where all teachers are saying, we are doing these things. We always have our kids check their phones in at the beginning of class. We use the cell phone caddies. We always have our kids write using clear formatting. We always have our kids use their planners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if that isn't working, we have a way of identifying that and then doing something mm-hmm. to try to help that student be more successful. Yes, because if we're all rowing the boat in the same direction, it's like parenting. Everybody has to be on the same page. Because kids are kids. They can play one against the other. And um, in order to be, be as successful as we want to be with our students and as successful as we want them to be, we all need to be giving the same um, uh, the same advice, the same. We all need to look the same. We all need to, um, they all need to understand that we talk to each other and that we know what's going on. So it's really important, especially I think so for, for freshmen, that they that they know we communicate and we all have the same expectations for them. Boom. Okay, so thing number one, freshman success team, the seven agreements within that team. Thing number two, uh, and this is one of my favorites, uh, was you took our library and you created a learning lounge. And I think the visible part of that is you brought in like 15 couches, mm, 12. 12 couches. Uh, you created a whole bunch of like charging stations and like set up laptop zones. And like basically you took a space with a whole bunch of books, which I love books. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not get me wrong. I am a big reader. Uh, and you cleared out some space so that students could really use that space for studying and just generally being on campus. Mm -hmm. So the physical aspect was huge. You brought in some cool art stuff. Uh, Some of our art classes uh, took decommissioned books and uh, made sweet sculptures out of them. And those are like hanging from the ceiling. Um, So that's the physical component. But then I think the actual practical component was you set up a system where the learning lounge is now always open after school Mm -hmm. on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays Mm -hmm. from 3.30 to 6.30, and Mm -hmm. you have to open till 7 o'clock sometimes. Yes, lesson learned. Uh, If we need to keep it open during finals to 7, we could do that. Yeah, just so that kids have a space Mm -hmm. where they can study, where they can hang out, where they can be safe, and have a space on campus Mm -hmm. that feels more Mm -hmm. student-owned. How'd you go about that? Or why? Um, well, first of all, as you can tell by the inside of my office. It's I tr- wild in here. <laughs> I truly love design, um, interior design. It's just one of the things that if in, an, in another life somewhere, I'm sure I was an interior designer. Um, and if I had to do it all over again, 
that'd be a it'd be a hard pull not to do it now that I know how much fun it is. But uh, so it was a project, and I love projects. We're trying to recruit new teachers here. Be a teacher. Don't be an interior designer. Be a teacher. <laughs> Kathy, you say it. Be a teacher. There you go. Good job. We have fun. Te- teaching is fun. Um. Yeah. And so uh, I, in, you know, that was a project that um, actually appealed to that sort of um, creative side of me. And it also uh, was something that I knew from my work with um, both my consulting work across the U.S. in really um, low-performing districts, that the one thing that helped them get up to speed the quickest was the outside-of-school time that they could spend doing their work, whether it was in the morning, whether it was on a Saturday, or whether it was after school itself. Uh Um, And then my work also with um, some nonprofit after-school spaces was the same thing. It's if you gave kids a place to be where they could get some help if they needed it. It didn't have to be it didn't have to be planned. It just was there that um, they would come if you build it. They would come, Mm -hmm. and um, that it started rather small and and you know built up and built up and built up to um, anywhere from twenty five to fifty kids, depending upon the week and the day for kids being in there um and basically it's it's just a um a way that if kids who are um who aren't um socioeconomically as fortunate as everybody else there's actually free tutoring in there there's actually um if you need maybe say a calculator that you don't have there's calculators in there if there's a if you've forgotten a book or whatever that you need um in terms of a textbook we had textbook sets in there so there's there's places where you can be in there where after school when you're like oh i need to get my homework done and then you have a place that supports whatever you need to do to get that work done and it's a really pleasant place it's a very pleasant right you've like softened the whole thing yes so like there are coffee tables and couches and it feels like a very welcoming nice cafe student lounge yes. hangout like lounge is actually like a legit description that is exactly how it was designed to feel yeah so it sounds like you were trying to set up a system where all of the potential obstacles were removed yes whatever yes. could get in the way we took away that obstacle yes in the lounge feel we we uh even <clears throat> determined that it wasn't going to be a a punitive place. So if you come in, even if you have a contract, um, some teachers, we do contracts where teachers are like, look, you need to go to the learning lounge a couple of days um, for an hour or two hours each, depending upon get this work done, um, you know, do A, B, or C. Even with those students, when you come in, um, there's no phone caddies. Uh-huh. You're kind of on your own um, to get your work done and to ask for help too. Right. Um, and those of those students who were on those contracts, they just basically had to have the signature sign in, sign out, and it really is on them to get that done, which I think is way more of a collegiate feel uh-huh. than a high school feel. Totally. And I think they really appreciate that, that, the fact that, hey, I can sit on a couch and study right here in this cool library, um, and nobody's beating me over the head. If I want to check my phone every five minutes, the downside is going to be that I'm not going to get as much done as I want to get done. But it's a, it's a good way for them to learn sort of the um, the boundaries of their um, time management skills right. and the boundaries of their responsibilities around social media and yeah. the bound you know all kinds of ways to learn that on their own and one of the other things that I really love is like every time I go in there I'm blown away with like how diverse the student set is yes um, like you have some English learner students mm-hmm. uh, newcomer students mm-hmm. who have very limited English 
you have some athletes mm-hmm. who are either before or after practice. Mm-hmm. You've got some kids who are just waiting for their parents to pick them up mm-hmm. and don't get off work until five or whatever. Mm-hmm. You've got some honors students or AP students who are just like grinding through stuff. And, and, and tutoring. Then, and tutoring. And then you get this beautiful like collaboration between them. Mm-hmm. So you get your AP students who speak a little bit of Spanish, who are helping your ELs and your mm-hmm. athletes, or mm-hmm. working with the kind of slacker kids who right. just need to make some stuff up. And it's it's like a beautiful way of bringing our whole community together. It uh, is like a community in there because when you come in, um, I kind of put you on watch, or at least I did last year, and the new supervisors that we're trying to um, have this year are going to do the same. But it's like if you come in, just know that at some point the supervisor may stand up and go, hey, who in here has this skill set? Okay, I've got a person here who needs some support. Can you get over here? And it just happens. That's awesome. And they're like, yeah, sure, I don't mind doing that. And oftentimes I would say, um, are you studying for a test? Is there something you're trying to get done? If not, I understand if you can't do it. Um, And I had some kids say, no, I'm really like buried right now and I need to do my work. And most of the time though, folks are like super willing to help and they sit there and they work for an hour and all of a sudden an hour's gone past and they're still over there working. So it's really cool what kids can do for each other when they're just given the opportunity um, to flourish. Oh, it's like the magic learning space that we all imagine schools (laughs) could be. It's the magic learning lounge as opposed to the magic school (laughs) Um, Okay, so thing number three is tutorial. Um, Tutorial is kind of a hot button issue right now on campus because we are just in the process of implementing it. And so we have all of the logistical ugliness of Mm -hmm. implementing a new thing Mm -hmm. that impacts 1,132 students Mm -hmm. and 60 odd teachers. How many teachers we have? 60, 70? 55. 55 Mm -hmm. teachers and all of our classified staff Mm -hmm. and dot, 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 dot. So... Um, basically what tutorial is, is we have 45 minutes, 50, 50, 50 minutes built into every Wednesday, uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. We have some block schedule classes. So 90 minute classes instead of 52 minute classes. And on Wednesdays, we build in a 50 minute period where teachers select students and invite them to their tutorials, or students can request to go to certain teachers' tutorials, or students can request to go to a quiet or group space, the learning lounge, the cafeteria, a quiet classroom. And then teachers work one-on-one with kids to provide extra enrichment, to uh, help students make up missing work, to give additional instruction, help students with like quiz corrections or whatever need there is for those particular kids. Mm -hmm. Um, On a teaching side, it is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, The downside is that it is a little bit of extra work in the beginning trying to figure out, all right, which of my kids are missing which skills? Mm -hmm. What skill am I gonna really work on with who so that I can pull the right kids? Mm -hmm. But the nice part is I'm able to pull 10 kids that I really need to work with and we work on whatever it is that they need to work on mm-hmm. and all of a sudden all of that struggle kind of melts away. You get to sit down one-on-one or one-on-three with a few kids um, and I've been having a ton of fun with it because I invite a few physics kids, a couple biology kids, and then sometimes I invite some physics kids from somebody else's class mm-hmm. who just want help with a specific thing mm-hmm. and I can explain it in maybe a slightly different way mm-hmm. to help them with their stuff. Exactly. Okay. So uh, how how is this running on your side? Um, on my side, I think it, other than the hiccups around um, 
literally the the numbers of students and the um, in, in each um, the technology around it. So that you know the cap on the numbers of the kids on your Excel page. Other than things like that, um, it, I think that the teachers have been super um, open to rolling with it and just trying it and really working hard to make what their what's their work. And then we tweak it a little bit and we go back and we try it again and we really are working there to. And, and I personally have, I think it's going fantastic. Um, Every time, I've been in the classrooms every single time. And every single time since we started and we're on our fourth one, it's gotten more and more focused every time I go into the classrooms or the library or the, you know, those group spaces or the silent spaces. It's so focused. So the work itself is definitely happening. Nice. Um, which the, is the important part. Which is the important part. The logistical part will, will work out. Yeah. So, but the, the work itself is actually really happening. Um, of course, you will always have the contingent of students who's trying to, quote unquote, get out of something. So those will, the, the other part of this that's the sort of um, uh, intentional slash unintentional outcome is that teachers know their students better. Uh-huh. Teachers communicate more regularly with their students. Teachers understand where their students are in terms of performance better uh-huh. and, and more regularly. So all of this just is going to start building on creating um, stronger habits, teaching habits and habits of practice mm-hmm. and stronger relationships with students such that um I think, because you were mentioning sometimes it can be a little hard setting things up, I think what it'll be is that you'll be so familiar with your students, like by, I don't know, end of October, you're probably going to know like exactly who needs to go where. Like, these five need to be doing this, and I'm call them, and those five. You know, I just feel like it. Um, there's such an amazing number of uses for this kind of space and time and planning and communication it's it's crazy cool um, I've never seen it done I've seen lots of tutorials uh-huh. I've never seen it done like this yeah um, this is really structured uh-huh. and really directed uh-huh. and um, uh, super supervised yeah so it, it, it it's got the best of all of the pieces that you need to put together to create a uh, and highly impactful structure in a school to, to raise performance. It totally. really does. But it's also really flexible. Yeah. Like yes. If I want to work on a specific thing with specific kids, yeah. I pull those specific kids yeah. and I work on that thing. Maybe a few kids missed a test, so I could have three kids making up a test in the back, and then I could have five kids working on a homework assignment with me, and then I could have two kids working on quiz corrections, and then eight more who just need a space to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, A, logistically, that's tough to manage, because mm-hmm. you do literally within that room mm-hmm. have 25 balls in the air, mm-hmm. 25 different kids doing potentially 25 different things, um, and a lot of them need individual one-on-one help. Mm-hmm. But how do we kind of get through, like, basically, if you're trying to implement a new program, Mm -hmm. do you just have to accept it's going to be ugly for a little bit and you got to get through those logistical hurdles? Yeah, I don't like accepting that. But yes, you have to. Um, Mark is far 
there are other personalities that accept those things far more easily than I accept those things. Uh-huh. Um, I like to do the super uber planning on the front end to really, 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 really work out all the kinks first before we put the airplane in the air. And we definitely have not done that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, uh, and some people are fully okay with um, just like getting up there and going, well, what is this string? Let's pull that and see uh-huh. what we do. Oh, look, we're going to go down instead of up. Um, but I think that in any in any structure that you build, the idea that it has to be constantly being tweaked is a really, really important mindset. Uh-huh. I think that if you feel like you've done it and you're going to put it into play and then you'll go revisit it in six months, you will fail. Right. So you constantly have to be willing to say uh, what what's working well, uh-huh. what's not working so well. Have we had any ideas around um, uh, new things that we could do? Like even today, we had yeah. new ideas about yep. what we could do with this. We just have to realize that those we need to work up through what we've got first, and then we'll add to those. So it's you've just you have to be super flexible in terms of your willingness to change um, pieces of the structure. Yeah, I mean you're really going through an engineering process. Yeah, it's very much right? like it's very much and like taking a new keep, product to market. You keep what works. Yeah. And then tweak the edges yeah. that doesn't work. Yes. Like, oh, this button over here isn't quite doing the what I want yes. it to, so we got to sub that button. It's like now. product design. Yeah. yeah. And in this case, it's we're doing it program on design. a. It's program. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, we're doing it on a, a Google Sheets platform. Right. So every teacher has a Google Sheet with their roster on it, and they pull students from their roster and mm. put them into a different column to mm. request those students. A for live their column. Tu- a live column for their uh, tutorial. Students each get an email for it with a Google form and they fill out the Google form indicating which teacher they would like to go to. Uh, and then there are some like backup backup plans, yes. which is There's plans B, C, and D. If the teacher doesn't <laughs> request the student and the student doesn't request anything because they were like, ah, I forgot or I lost that link or whatever, um, then they get assigned somewhere. Yes. Uh, and ideally they get assigned to a teacher that is currently on their roster and that's where we're still working out kinks. Yes, ideally uh, that trying would, trying to make sure that the right kids get to the right teachers, even if they don't request them. Yes. Uh, and that's where it gets tough. Yeah, that's where it gets tough. Um, a couple of reasons. Um, that might be one of that might be you know um, tutorial two point yep. in the future. How we work work through that. Um, I'll settle for tutorial <laughs> one point one. But we we have to we have to work within the. Um, abilities of the actual Google, whatever that is, right? right? The background of that. But then the other piece is that, um, I just lost my train of thought. Moving along then. Yeah. I just totally lost my train of thought. No problem. Um, so there's like, uh, there's the logistical component. Yes. But then the practical piece is why did we end up going with a direction where it is so much more structured, Mm. teacher-driven, instead of an office hours scenario, or instead of a uh, learning open campus. Like a a learning lounge. Yeah, you've seen a bunch of different tutorial options, right? Mm -hmm. A homeroom. Mm -hmm. That's what I had when I was in Mm -hmm. high school. We all had study hall Everybody went to homeroom or study hall, and it was a random assortment, and you sat there for 15 minutes or whatever, Mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm threw a paper ball at somebody and then went on to your real classes. Yeah. Uh, So why did we Those of us who were motivated did our work and those of us who weren't motivated didn't do... They built paper airplanes. Yeah. So, I mean, based on the uh, not very subtle subtext of the way that I described it, uh, why did we end up going with a more structured, more difficult logistical plan instead of a office hours come if you want to get help 
type of thing? Uh, I think there's a couple of things. We had um, we had we ran a pilot of this um, that was fairly structured two years ago. Uh-huh. We did it for two weeks during our testing program. Uh, when we were doing our state testing. And so we took advantage of a schedule that was already completely different, and we threw in this little tutorial component during those two weeks. And I think that because that piece was so structured, because it was within the confines of a testing schedule. Uh-huh, where there has to be a three-hour block right, where there in has the morning to be something. so that everybody exactly. can take the test, da 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 I think the teachers at that point in time, the, the first week was kind of chaos. But the second week, I think the teachers really, and the, definitely the students, really, really saw the benefit of structured academic uh, time within a school day. Yeah. Then from there, so that's, the, I think that's one of the main reasons that we were able to get so much traction on this idea um, so so quickly is because I think it, the evidence was right there. Uh-huh. Um, the next year, we managed to, um, although I didn't make it into the actual embedded schedule, we managed to, um, the teachers still all really saw the benefit of it. We had to, again, work around the logistics of things. Yep. But um, they realized without a doubt that it had to be, I think they were the ones that felt more comfortable with it being, as teachers normally do, fairly focused and fairly structured. Um most teachers who really get good, high performance out of their classes are fairly focused and fairly structured. Uh-huh. And there's creativity within that space. But that's how teachers generally operate. That's kind of our nature. Uh-huh. If we're going to be a high performing, if we're going to create a high performing student, oftentimes we're fairly focused and fairly structured. Right. Um, so I think that that second piece of that year really helped us out with that. Um, the second year where we were able to not e- not enough. We weren't we weren't able to do it frequently enough. But when we did do it, um, we saw that basically what had happened was is by the end of that second year, it was basically a a, a, a period of time that the kids weren't necessarily using it the way they needed it to be used, and the teachers weren't necessarily using it the way they needed to use it. Uh-huh. And everybody was like, okay, if it's going to look like this, it's probably probably not. Yes, it's great to have access to these students, uh-huh. but it we need something else where we can really be more um, more definitive and um, deliberate in our choices around what we're doing with this time. Right. We're not getting out of it what we'd like to get out exactly, of it. Exactly. Exactly. And certainly the, um, certainly the data showed that. Yeah. So when we went into it this time and we went, went back to the teachers, um, we all kind of went into it with having seen a very structured piece of it, a piece that was structured at the beginning but got looser and looser and looser. And so we all kind of went into it with a lot of like different understandings of what this what this could be. Uh-huh. So in the sense of things, I think we're very lucky as a school site. We were able to like try out different right. versions of this and then pick the one that really works for us. Yeah. And then, of course, from a research perspective – Loosey goosey never works with students, with with teenagers. It just doesn't, and it doesn't really ever work with staff either. Uh-huh. Does so Penny, does Henny Penny work with students? <laughs> Penny doesn't work with students okay. either. But it's you need a some level of structure in order to make sure that um, you can meet the needs of those who, who you need to meet the needs of, including the staff members. Uh-huh. Uh, so I the research every high performing high school in America. If you're a high-performing high school, you have some version of a tutorial. Uh-huh. 
it can be called an office hours, it can be called this or that. Most of those structures in really high-performing high schools have, you're, you're for the most part, um, uh, there's a way for you and the teacher to meet up. There's a way for the teacher to know where you are. There's a way for the the staff to know exactly um, who needs what and, and how we need to give them that what. Right. Um, as opposed to more college where you hold your office hours and those students come to you. Right. So, if they want to. If they want to. Yeah. Right. So th- these students, as much as we'd love to have that sort of feel here, it, I, I ran into the same thing when I was doing the learning lounge. As much as we'd love to have a space where kids can just come in and willy-nilly and do their thing, there had to be a level of supervision in the learning lounge. Sure. Uh, I went through that stage, too. And basically, I wound up with no food, no drink, no, you know, I started yeah, yeah, off yeah. with that. But then it went, that, that went away because... I, you have teenagers to are adapt just to yeah. where students are. Teenagers are just not there yet. They're right. not there well, yet. They need I mean, more structure. Neither are human beings, yeah. right? If you're well, hungry, in the, and then the other you pe- gotta eat right. before so, you can focus. Exactly. If you're thirsty, there's no point in stopping you from drinking. No. Before you can do your homework. Exactly. Like, and so just drink some water. Go get it and done. Get take take care of business studying yeah, for that exactly, test. Exactly. Exactly. And and when you're in college, at some point you learn that pretty quickly. Um, people aren't there quite like we are in high school. But just developmentally, kids aren't where they need to be in order to have let go of the structure like right. that. Same thing with the tutorial. Students need the structure around. If I if you're going to give me the option to sit around and do nothing in your classroom or go to that classroom where I'm struggling and I need that support, but it's going to be hard for me, what do you think I'm going to do? Generally speaking, I'm going to hang out where it's easy. That's just normal human behavior. Right. But to our students' credit, when we give them the structure that works, they seem to really be enthusiastic about it. Yes, they do. This was a kind of major change in our school schedule. It's like 50 minutes of like, no, you got to go to this other thing. Yeah. Um, and our students seem to love it. Yeah. Like, I can't guarantee it, but I have walked around campus yeah. once or twice during tutorial. There aren't kids outside of class. No. They're not looking to get out of it. Nope. And the ones that are in, well, the ones that are in class, which is all of them, mm-hmm. uh, are doing really good work. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're trying they're trying to get help yes. from the teachers that they want to get help from. Or we've given them that opportunity to if they have a C, a B, or an A, uh-huh. that they can do whatever they want to do. We're not going to take their phones from them if they're in the groups, or yep. we're not going to you know do any of these things. And they're still choosing to go in there and do their homework. Right. Um, I have yet to see a group of kids around a table gaming period in any of those spaces i have yet to see that and during rallies we see that during other breaks we see that but at this particular moment in time when you walk in they all have their homeworks out and they're doing them right there together as a group helping each other Woo! you give people the tools to do what they need to do and the time to do it and they'll do a great job they're making great choices around this time wow and on that note kathy warren thank you so much thank you assistant principal here at san marin high school Uh, keep those school structures going and we will work through those logistical challenges together. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. I loved it.